granny shot. Granny shot. Yeah, 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 granny shot. There's the jingle, guys. Did you like it? Yeah. I don't I don't know if anyone wanted that, but it's really something. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna keep working on it. Yeah. If you guys if you, you guys need to work it. a lot on it. <laughs> All right. Well, feedback taken. I appreciate it. And uh, uh we'll see how it evolves. Maybe I'll add some keyboard tunes to it. Maybe we can get a drummer in there. Who knows? Maybe. Possibilities are endless. Who, who needs a podcast? Let's just start a band. No. If, if anyone has a jingle out there for us, we're all ears. You can take what I just did and and just you know add to it since it's a it's a stellar start. It's a lot to all work right. with. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So welcome back. This is Granny Shot. We are in episode four of our mock draft. Um, I'll give a recap here in a minute of who's uh, who's been taken with picks one through nine. But real quick, we've got picks on 11 and 12 coming up here. That's the Suns, Spurs and Kings. Again, how it works is each of us will own a pick. The other two will try to convince him of where that where they think they should go with that pick. Uh, but ultimately, the final pick is owned by that one person acting as the GM and it'll go into our consensus granny mock draft. Quick little recap. The Timberwolves select number one, Onyeka Okongwu. That was a big surprise. Warriors, Killian Hayes at number two. The Hornets take Lamella Ball at three. Anthony Edwards at four to the Bulls. James Wiseman at five to the Cavs. Devin Vassell at six to the Hawks. And then most recently in our last episode, we had Tyrese Halliburton to the Pistons at seven. Denny Avdia to the Knicks at eight. And Isaac Okoro at nine to the Wizards. On the clock, we've got the Suns and we've got Delco as the Suns GM. This is exciting. This is my favorite one that I've had so far. I think being GM of of the Hawks and the Suns is about as exciting as it's it's going to get in the lottery here. There's a lot of young talent on this squad, a lot of versatile talent. You have some shooters, you have some playmakers, you have big men, you have solid defenders. There's a lot to work with. I've heard rumors about the Suns making a move for Chris Paul. I think that's interesting. I think it makes a lot of sense. I think it's doable if you're throwing in uh, Rubio, maybe maybe Kelly Oubre if you have to. But I think I think the Suns, like the Hawks, are kind of done picking their high upside guys, and I think they're looking to to win now. I think they're another team. They're completely finished with lottery picks in their mind. They're looking to to win. And I think they're going to go into this draft with that mindset on on who can we pick up today who's going to help us win this year. You know, they finished the season really strong with an 8-0 run in the bubble. Unfortunately, not enough. Devin Booker is a bona fide superstar. Aiton is really improving. He looks like he's going to be a stud for years to come. I really like Aiton. So what do they do with this pick? I had three guys in mind. Akuro was one of them. But he's off the board, and I think it's realistic to think he probably won't fall fall this far in real life either. So I'm looking at, at two guys here that I think are going to be, one of them will be a little controversial, but I think Obi Toppin makes a lot of sense here for the Suns to slot in as a guy who can uh, score right away, who can fit and play a role on this team, whether it's starting or six-man or even coming off the bench for, for solid minutes. He's one of the most NBA-ready prospects in this draft. A lot of scouts, I know we've said this before, have him in the top five to ten range, I think. So I think I think Toppin makes a lot of sense for this team. The other guy I'm thinking of is Pat Williams. I think he's he's another player 
uh, high potential, but could also potentially develop throughout the season and be a real piece for them if they do end up making a playoff push. So those are the two main guys I'm looking at. The Suns can go a lot of different ways with this, and I don't think that they have a real glaring need. Honestly, I think they just need to stay healthy. They need to see some a little bit of development from some of their young guys, and I think they're in a really good spot this year. So I I actually uh, I actually agree with everything that you've said so far. Um, Obi Toppin, it's no secret that I I don't really like him. I would not be thrilled if my team selected him. Um, but I do think that of all the teams in the lottery, that this is the one that's probably the best spot for Obi Toppin to land. Um, I think that the Suns do need a, a stretch four kind of guy. If if you're looking at their roster, like even you're trying to find something of need, I think that's probably the the number one spot. And I think Toppin could slot in and play a service sort of a backup center, um, as well as playing next to Aiton as a stretch four. Um, so I think that that could work potentially. Now I hate everything about him on the defensive side of the ball. Like literally think he's one of the worst defensive prospects in the top 10 of a draft in a long time. But that said, you know, I, I think you can hide that potentially on this Suns team. And I think he could potentially work here. Now, I do like Patrick Williams a little bit more. Um, he's not quite the definite traditional four type player, but I think in the small ball era, he can play there. And similarly to Patrick Williams, the other guy that I like on this list and the other guy that I love just in general is Sadiq Bey. I think he's an option for them here as well. Yeah, I I think the consensus for all of us will be they have a lot of different options. And I think there's a lot of different players that can slide in. I definitely like the top and fit here as well. Patrick Williams, obviously big on him. I think he's sliding. We have a lot of players now that are sliding back from a consensus standpoint with Obi Toppin and Patrick Williams. Sadiq Bey, I thought he would be a great fit here. I also thought of Aaron Nesmith. I thought that'd be a nice shooter to bring to the floor, create some more points for them alongside Devin Booker. They're really needing like another offensive highlighter there. And I think that's that's why I'm probably leading to Obi Toppin. I agree his defense is atrocious and they he has nothing going for it. Like even a ceiling for him with his defense, I think it's it's pretty low. But the offensive capabilities that he brings, and he's a nice he's a nice offensive spark plug to have on a team, especially one that's trying to compete for a championship. I think they that makes him and that team extremely offensively dangerous to a lot of other teams in the West. And I probably go with Obi here just because he can he can come right in and he's going to be an immediate uh, game changer for that team. Patrick Williams has a little bit of development, and maybe while Patrick Williams will be a better long-term prospect, I think Obi Toppin, given their contract situation and and they're in, right, they're in a win-now mode. I think Obi Toppin makes the most sense. Yeah, and I think I think you can hide his defensive deficiencies behind players like Obre and uh, McCall Bridges. Um, I think. You know, I thought about Nesmith, too. I think Cam Johnson kind of emerged as a strong three-point shooter for them. And I think Kelly Uber can space the floor as well. So I'm not sure how huge of a need is. I, I wouldn't hate that pick necessarily. It's it's never bad to have a pure three-point scorer coming off the bench. Uh, so I, it sounds like this pick is a lot less controversial than some of the ones in the earlier episodes. So one one note to make before I officially lock the pick in, I do think it's a little ironic that another older you know college player of the year type player is on this son's roster in frank kaminsky and that could give some people pause he's another stretch for massive defensive deficiencies 
really strong college player who is somehow still in the NBA, which is a little shocking. So I think it's a little ironic, but I don't think it's enough uh, to not pick Toppin. I think his ceiling is higher than Frank's. I think his floor is higher than Frank's. So I I don't think they're thinking too much about that. And I think if he falls this far, they're going to be more than happy to have someone who can contribute right away, come in and help them make a strong playoff push this year. So I'll lock in Obi Toppin for the Suns. Yeah, I like that. And with with Frank, I, I definitely see what you're saying. I just, Obi Toppin at least has that athleticism that he can rely on. Frank never really had that much athleticism, more of a fundamental player. But yeah, the Obi, Obi Toppin's like that Amari Stoudemire type player, right? So I definitely see the... I, I like the pick. It's a good one. All right. So Obi Toppin's finally going off the board. I... I... I, I like the fit for Toppin more so than anywhere else, but I just want to make it clear that I I think he's going to be super average. All right, so with the 10th pick in the in the Granny Mock draft, we have a quick one here with the Suns. The Suns will be competing for a playoff spot this year. The Phoenix Suns select Obi Toppin out of Dayton, Ohio. Yeah, I didn't mention Sadiq Bey either, but... I'm not going to pick him because, Ryan, I know you've got big plans for, for Sadiq, so I didn't want to... Didn't want to step all over that. What a nice well, deal. I'm I'm glad that I don't have to consider Toppin as he continues to fall. So thank you for just taking that off the table for me. You're welcome, pal. Yeah. All right, guys. We're moving on to the number eleven pick. This is the San Antonio Spurs. The Spurs in the lottery. Kind of an unusual situation for them. They don't make the playoffs for the first time in gosh, how many years? Nineteen years, I think it is, since uh before the, the Tim Duncan days. So they're in a bit of a, a of a unique position here. I think that the Spurs and I own this pick, so I'm just going to kind of start reeling off what I'm, what I'm thinking on the Spurs. But the Spurs are it's kind of hard to tell what they're going to do. So you know, after this season, this coming season, 2020 2021, they really only have one guy that they're committed to long term, and that's Dewante Murray. All right, and I love Dewante Murray. I think he's going to be a great player if he can keep injuries down. He's got upside uh strong defensive abilities his shot started to develop a little bit more over the last year or so and if that continues i, I think he's going to be a strong player and a point guard that you can build around lonnie walker's in the conversation as well want to see more from him but he's another young guy that they could potentially see as a building block for the future but let's talk about the old guys demar DeRozan, lamarcus aldridge rudy gay all of them 31 years or older uh aldridge is 35 rudy gay is 34 um, another staple in Patty Mills has been on their team for years. Love Patty, but this is the last year on his contract. He's 32. The Spurs might be thinking total rebuild, right? And that's not really their style because, you know, of how they've operated in the last 20 years. But when you look at their salary situation, it's hard to think that they're not at least considering total rebuild. Uh, maybe they trade DeRozan. I've heard rumors that, you know, the Lakers are interested in DeRozan. Maybe they trade him to get somebody else back, like a younger talent. But it's kind of hard to see exactly what the Spurs are going to do because they haven't been in this type of position in so long. Um, Do they just kind of stick with their talent development that they've been known to be so great at and continue to compete? And maybe, you know, they've got people that turn into two stars, kind of like how they've always done. But because of that, I find this to be a tricky pick. Yeah, it's definitely tricky. There's a lot of interesting players in regards to what they do, like Derek White, Bryn Forbes, uh, even Pirtle. <laughs> like Pirtle, 
Uh, he's always going to be a backup. But just like a lot of interesting players, and I agree, it's. I think they have to go complete reset. I think they can afford to do that, building around Murray. I mean, he's a fantastic player, and they do have him locked in long. I have my eyes set on a player that I think you should take. Um, I don't know if you want me to just start spewing you ideas here. Yeah, let me hear it. I think Patrick Williams is the one to go to here. I, I don't see any other player with as much upside as him in the future, and especially building around him um, in that system. We all know if you go to San Antonio as a young player, you're already having better odds of succeeding in the NBA because of the coach and the system you're in. The upside of Patrick Williams is is there. I mean, his physical, his physical tools alone with his defense and his shooting capability. Um, if you're building around Murray and if Patrick Williams actually pans out, again, like there are people projecting him top five easy. And that's that may be a stretch for what for, from what we see, but if his skills can develop to closer to the ceiling that people think, I mean, we're talking about a we're talking about a potential All Star player from a defense. I mean, his defense is already coming into coming into the league at a nice pace, solid three and D guy to rely on. That's like one of the main guys I look for because I think you need to build around Murray and then provide him with with another player down at the uh, four or five range. Just to just to note, uh, Jakob and Bryn Forbes are are both um, free agents this year. Yeah, so yeah, well, yeah. That's what I was wondering what they're going to do with them, though. Not okay. like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, the Spurs are definitely interesting. I think if they can trade uh, DeRozan or Aldridge, they will. I'm not sure that they'll be able to. So I think what they end up doing is is just having one more push with the Hante um, healthy, seeing what they can do. They have a lot of. Sh- they have a really deep, solid roster, and, and with the Hante, Derek White, maybe Lonnie growing in, some of those other guys you had mentioned. So, I think they can still make a playoff push, and I think they might do just that, and then you know start fresh next year when all that cap space opens up. They're going to have a lot of cap space. You know, the Spurs are going to do what the Spurs always do and rely on their scouting department, who can always identify gems. Um, I'm sure they have their guys picked out already i like the pat williams pick a lot i think they're definitely looking at him if he falls this far and i think sadiq bay could be interesting here as well and i was i'm guessing that that's who ryan is looking at with this pick and i'm guessing he's wanted to take uh, sadiq for a while now and i think that makes sense too but i, I think i think the spurs could surprise some people and, and be a mid playoff seed here this year and I don't think they're necessarily going to start rebuilding right away. But yeah, I think regardless, Pat Williams and Sadiq Bey would, would both be strong choices for the Spurs here. Yeah, so I, I mean, you, I, I love Sadiq here. I also like Pat Williams here because, I mean, let's be honest, like Sadiq Bey and Patrick Williams are very similar players. Um, they're both 6'8". They're both coming in with a reputation of being incredibly versatile on the defensive end of the ball. And also with some some upside just from a playmaking standpoint. Plus they've shown that they can both already shoot. All right. So I think they're very similar players and it's almost just preference at this point in terms of which guy you like better. I'll be completely honest, right? I watched Sadiq Bay a lot and I didn't watch Patrick, Patrick Williams as much. I, what I saw in Patrick Williams, I liked, I think to your point, Dan, it, it, whoever ends up taking Patrick Williams, if he slips even past 11, they're going to be feeling really good about that. But I personally think Sadiq is a better fit in San Antonio. I think the way that he plays the game is just such a San Antonio style. Um, he's a team player, but can also 
take the onus of a secondary kind of playmaker. He's underrated in a pick and pop, pick and roll type scenario. Um, and I think his absolute floor is a very good three and D player, like absolute bare minimum floor is like a very good three and D player. Um, so I think he would slot in if they decide to take another run of the playoffs this year. I think he slots in and has an impact immediately this season. And if he, if the Spurs end up completely rebuilding, I think he's a good building block to have. I don't think he's going to be a superstar, but I think he could end up being a, a, a player similar to maybe that of Tobias Harris, but as a better defender. Um, and I think his floor is probably closer to someone similar to like a Jay Crowder. And I think that that's such a safe and and great pick at number 11 or, or further down. Yeah, that's that's a strong floor. I, I think you're right that they are similar, but I do think Pat Williams has that wider range of floor and ceiling where Sadiq Bey is, is pretty solidly, you know, high floor, decent ceiling. So I think it just comes down to, as you said, preference. I think it comes down to, you know, the Spurs have been known to develop talent we can see what they did with Kawhi and others so I think that maybe they they think they can mold Pat Williams into something better than what they could do with Sadiq Bey who's more of a sure thing so I I think you're right It, it basically comes down to preference and what they see and if they think they can mold him into something great but I don't think you can go wrong with either of these so I won't convince you either way yeah, Sadiq yeah. Bay also, or as you say, he's super unselfish, like with his Very ball moves. Unselfish. And that's like, that fits the Spurs model so well. Another fun fact about Sadiq Bay is he hit the most three pointers in the college basketball season for players six, eight, and over last year, and he hit it at 45%. And yeah, that was with insane. them knowing that, that you know, he, he was one of their primary uh, creators and one of their primary guys in, in the Villanova offense. I also in terms of sliding in right away, the Villanova offense, the style of the Villanova offense is perfect for the modern day NBA. They typically play a four in one out, sorry, four out one in everybody on Villanova really has to be able to shoot. It's just like in the NBA. If if you're a one through a four, you got to be able to keep the defense honest and shoot these days. So I think that that helps in his, uh, in his immediate impact. I do think Patrick Williams is, is a little bit more raw athleticism. And because of that, his ceiling might be a little higher, um, Sadiq's more of a polished kind of uh, high skill guy and, and that's maybe the biggest difference between the two but they're very similar I wouldn't hate you know if you guys were owning the picks I would I would like the Patrick Williams pick but I'm I'm gonna go Sadiq and I'm gonna lock it in so at the 11th pick in the granny mock draft the San Antonio Spurs are gonna take Sadiq Bay out of Villanova this is uh, this episode is in such contrast to the last episode where we're screaming at each other <laughs> yeah, yeah. They've been nice fits lately. I mean, Sadiq, he, he fits well. Unselfish, hits threes. He could, he could be that player on the Spurs in 10 years who's a superstar. I mean, the Spurs can do that to any player, but let alone someone like Sadiq who has that that talent. I still probably would take him Patrick Williams, but luckily I'm up next, you know? You are, and and you've got you've got the, the Kings. We know you love the Kings, Don, so... Uh, excited to hear what you got from them. I mean, I think the Kings had a disappointing season this past year. I think the, this past year they probably went into it hoping to make the playoffs or make a push for the playoffs, and they didn't really do that. So here the Kings are again in the lottery yet again. Not really sure what they're going to do. You've got De'Aaron Fox, and then mm, I'm not sure what else, right? Um, I think there's a lot of other question marks on the roster. Yeah, so big Kings guy here. <laughs> Not it's not the cousins' glory days, but it's what we got to work with. 
Buddy Heald has a fat, fat contract that he needs to he needs to show that he's worth. Um, there's a lot of a lot of talk isn't right that, now. Isn't that contract funny? Yeah, I think it's funny because Buddy he got benched towards the end of the season, yep. and it, it seems very clear that the Kings aren't super thrilled about Buddy at least towards the end of the season there, and now they actually have to start paying him. Yeah. <laughs> What I like about Buddy's contract, though, is that it's actually decreasing, which I feel like you don't see too much of in the NBA. It's more, you know, increasing. And Buddy gets paid $24 million next year, but then at the end of his contract, it's $18.5 million. So Yeah, a lot of teams have been starting to do that. I think the Harrison Barnes contract on the Kings is structured the same way. Yeah, yeah. you're right. Yeah, but I know Buddy's been evading uh, ownership tax. There's a lot. I know he's not happy. There's a lot of talk in the rumor mill is flowing heavily with Buddy not being a staple of their future there. And if I'm De'Aaron Fox and I'm in my, my last year of my contract, you got to – I mean, I think De'Aaron Fox is the future of that team by far. I think he's a great player. He had um, the injury this year that, that set them back, and I think that really limited their play and performance. But uh, they have to pay Fox. Um, I don't think they can afford to let him go to market, to be honest, because – someone is going to be able to offer him. And he, again, if you look at this team without De'Aaron Fox, you're looking at, at with the way the West is shaping out to be, it's a bottom three team in the West and it's getting borderline close there now. So we're looking at it, right? Raquan Holmes uh, had a nice season last season, but like, where does he go? Rashawn, don't disrespect oh, dang, him. Like I, always, I always do that. Why, why do there's the, yeah, Rashawn. Rashawn's my boy. I always say Raquan. Um, yeah, Rashawn is your boy. I, he played really well. We'll see how he does this season, assuming he doesn't get moved, right? The Kings have a lot of pieces to move, which makes them in, uh, intriguing. I mean, Bezalinka, they could they could move. Uh, Bog, Bo, I probably butchered that name. Belinka. Belinka. What? Yeah, Belinka. Bogdan. Bogdan's Bielitsa. gone. Bielitsa. Sounds like a pizza. <laughs> well, Bog, Bogdan's more than likely gone right someone's gonna pay him crazy money uh so essentially with all these things happening like harry giles is gone from a team that drafted with so much potential and we don't even know what we don't even know what marvin bagley is yet like marvin there's a lot of talk that marvin bagley is going to be demanding a lot of money and i i'm not big on him at all like no way He's he's he he's got he's got three years well, left in his rookie contract, and he didn't play the first one. So right, I, I, I think we two. He's got two years. I, left. I think it's funny. I I was always down on Marvin Bagley. I was definitely in the camp that it was really stupid to draft him over Luca. I think a lot of people are in that camp, and I think he he's kind of swung the other direction now, where he's completely underrated. Where he went from being this top two guy that everyone loved and now he's 21 years old and he was hurt. You know, he's playing pretty well. I still think he could be a really good NBA player. And I think people are writing him off way, way too soon. I'm not writing him off. I think he could be solid. And, and like, I think they just, they just, they have a lot of question marks, you know? And, yeah. and yeah. that's the point here, right? A buddy to Dan's point. I don't even think they know if they want to keep him or not. Rashawn Holmes, he had a breakout season, but he's 27. Right. I mean, what kind of contract does he get after this season? I, I don't know. Do you invest into a guy that's going to end up being 28 at the end of this year? Probably not, especially if you're a Kings team that sucks. Um, Harrison Barnes, he's never going to be the guy that anybody thought he was going to be coming out of high school um, and even coming out of college where people saw a lot of upside. 
I think, like I said, the only sure thing here is De'Aaron Fox, and De'Aaron Fox is due for a huge payday at the end of the season. So it's just it's just an interesting situation, right? You've got you lose Bogdan this season. Um, I don't think Bogdan's coming back, but if he is, he's going to get paid out the ass. Yeah, he's one of the top free agents this season in a weak free agent class. So I, I, I kind of lean here similarly to where I was with the the Pistons, and that you just take best available. So here, here's how I feel. I think first you you need to understand the Kings are a terrible franchise, right? We we know that they have been for a while. I think even if they want to pay to Aaron Fox, there's a chance that he doesn't want to come back. So I think what the Kings should do, and I always get shit on for bringing up this style of thought because I'm always hearing the mindset of championship or bust. You know, you either need to be rebuilding or tanking or competing for a championship. Honestly, this is this is their squad. They drafted their young their their potential guys. They have some solid pieces around them on the contract for this year. I think they should just do what they can to to win as many games as possible. And I think they do have enough talent on the roster to make a playoff run. I I don't think I agree with you, Don, that this is clearly a bottom three team um, in in the West. I think that a lot didn't go well last year, and I think that things could go better this year and they could surprise some people. So, you know. What I said, I said without De'Aaron Fox, they're a bottom three team. Okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Definitely. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Which is very possible after this next season. So, you know, it, it is a weird team, and I'm not exactly sure what they should do, but I think it wouldn't kill them to have a, a additional playmaker coming off the bench. I think they have some decent pieces here. I think their bench is, is fairly weak, especially from the guard perspective. So if I'm the Kings, I want to add some excitement to this team. I want to add some competition for who's going to go out there and score those baskets. I want to put some pressure on Buddy and I think this is kind of the area where I start to look at those guys that, that Don hates so much, which is Tyrell Terry and Cole Anthony. I think having someone who can come off the bench, maybe lead that second unit, provide the spark, keep the team floating while the starters are on the bench, uh, and fill that potential Bogdan gap, because I, I don't think they'll be able to re-sign him. Um, I think that's what they should be looking for in this range. But I think I'm gonna, we're going to have some disagreement here. Yeah, I just if you're the Kings, I don't think you you play it safe on a low ceiling player. You, uh, it's Patrick Williams all the way here, and there's like no other. I mean, he's a potential top five draft pick, and if he slides all the way back here, that's I just don't even I don't even wait. I just like pick up the phone. I say Patrick Williams is the that's, one. That's a good point. I I didn't have him here because I was sure, especially Don with you bringing up Pat Williams with the Hawks position or with, yeah. with the Hawks draft that I, I did not think he would fall this far. So I think that's a, that's a good point too, um, just because of, of his upside. But I think fit wise, I think having a, a exciting playmaking guard who can add that spark is something that could help the Kings right now. And let's face it, you know, they're not rebuilding. <laughs> they, they have their team. Um, it's just about making sure everything clicks and, and things go well for them. So I'm not necessarily just going for that complete rebuild quite yet, especially with a team yeah, so I, with a team like the Kings. And I think people, certain fans of certain franchises, need to understand that you know you can't be tanking forever. There's teams that have been tanking, quote unquote, for years and have nothing to show for it, and are now talking about tanking again. 
or rebuilding or what have you. Sometimes you just need to put some exciting basketball out there to give the fans some Have hope. the Kings been tanking, though, or have they just sucked? Maybe not the Kings specifically. I mean, they, they got a top two pick last year, and they got Fox a couple years before that with a top pick. So, yeah, you can call it sucking, rebuilding, tanking, whatever you want to call it. At some point, making the eight or seven seed isn't such a bad thing. It's a fun year, right? And I know people don't want to get stuck in no man's land, but... If you're a franchise like the Kings who hasn't done anything with these lottery picks that they've gotten year after year, at some point you have to accept the fact that a good season is a success and that only one team wins the NBA Finals every year and only three to five teams are even really actual contenders. There's nothing wrong with having a fun basketball team that's making a playoff run that's exciting yeah, to go Yeah, but I watch. don't even... I, I, I agree with you. Like I you know that I hate the whole tanking argument, but one I like I said, I, I don't think the Kings really tanked. And if they did, they they were really bad at it. I think they just sucked. Um and then two, I do think the Kings are gonna be in the bottom three of the West. I, I actually do. I, regardless of who's on this roster or not. They were bottom four in the West this past year, right? And you've got the Warriors who are below them, you've got the T Wolves who are below them. You have to imagine that those two teams have a strong uh ability to jump ahead of the Kings this year. And then you also had the Pelicans. Those were the three teams that finished below them this past season. It would not be totally shocking for the Kings to get dead last in the West. Yeah. I will actually, I would be willing to bet that they will get in the bottom three. Aside from that, right, I th- do think that the Patrick Williams is probably a better fit than Terrell Terry or uh, Cole Anthony here. I don't like those point guard fits for this pick. The dance point, I think Patrick Williams is best available and you should take him. The one guy that I will call out as a possible nice fit here someone that has a ton of upside is rj hampton i think he's an athletic freak that is going to take some time to develop and if they're truly committed to not winning this season and maybe not winning next season or the year after i think rj hampton's an intriguing intriguing guy to look at here i like rj hampton there too but but to your point and not looking to win this year or the year after i mean at, at what point are you just like all right we're never gonna win let's just keep taking massive swings and then if you hit a swing like you did with cousins then they leave after four years and you're back where you started so they have a lot of nice pieces here last year did not go as planned the west is going to be a bloodbath like it always is you never know what's going to happen who's going to underperform who's going to go down i think marvin bagley is going to have a chip on his shoulder this year that kid's got a lot of talent and is not being talked about at all harrison barnes is harrison barnes he is what he is he's not terrible but he's he's just overpaid fox is still growing He'll be 22 or 23 this year. Rashawn Holmes got hurt. I think he could come out and be strong. You know, they have some pieces. So do you think do you think the Kings make the playoffs this year? I, I wouldn't bet that they would, but I'm saying... Do you think they'll finish in the top 12? I, I think the West is a bloodbath. I think they could make the playoffs. I think they could finish bottom three. My point is they should go for it because they have a lot of contracts on the books here. They have some solid pieces. If things go well for them, I don't see why they couldn't make the playoffs and have a fun year. Yeah, I think they could have they could have fun they could have a fun year. I just think that they are like you said, it's just like a lot of puzzle pieces on on the board, and not many of them are fitting. So at some point, you need to just ditch the set and buy a new puzzle. Like there's a lot of int- intrigue here, right? We thought Buddy Hield was going to be a superstar. They paid him like he was a superstar, and he has flashes of that, but. Like we talked about earlier, he was coming off the bench 
right? He was performing better as a sixth man than he was as a starter, which is not what you want to see out of someone you're paying $90 million to. You have Harrison Barnes, who's making the second most money on the team, making $22 million this year. He does nothing to push the needle for this team. They, the te- there was potential. Like team- there was potential, but it's it's gone now. So it's like, for me, it's like you need to re-sign Darren Fox. You need to draft Patrick Williams, who I think, again, because of where we are in the draft, the fact that Patrick Williams is here, it's like, I I definitely like RJ Hampton. I see the upside. I just when I compare when I compare the ceiling and like just where we are in this draft, I feel like Patrick Williams he should have been drafted already and they're going to need to fill that slot next year in like that exact role. Yeah, I I like the Pat Williams pick just to be clear. I think I think that's a good pick and I'll I'll support it, but I I'm just kind of like laughing at how many times I hear with teams like like the Kings and others like, oh, this isn't a, a team that's going to compete for a championship. It's time to rebuild the set. Well, you're going to be rebuilding for the rest of your life because, A, you're the kings. Your management isn't top-notch, and management is really important. It's not just the players. And, B, you're a small market. It's not like, you know, just because LeBron and Giannis are free agents next year and you have cap space or, or whatever it might be doesn't mean you're even, like, on the table. So, I think some teams some teams need to hope that they can strike gold. They need to make internal changes. But when your team like the Kings, you're you know I know the West is tough and and everything, but you know you you have some solid pieces. You've already signed the contracts. Sure, if you can move them for some assets, great, do it. But I'm not just tearing this team down unless uh, I have good reason to. Yeah, I guess what I mean by tearing the team down when I talk about that is it's more just like refacing the franchise and and moving on from the super like the the superstar, which is Buddy Heald. Like I yeah. don't think a full rebuild, like they don't need that, right? But but you look at their team, they're gonna be Bagley's gonna need to be paid in supposedly twenty twenty two. But I mean, no one I mean, I'm just looking at the squad and it's like no one there makes sense. Buddy I think they need to trade Buddy Heald. Uh they need to figure out what Rashawn is. I think Rashawn has a lot of potential, but getting Buddy Heald off that team, in my opinion, depending on how this season goes, is gonna be of utmost importance. And again, it's not it's not rebuilding, it's just refacing. And I think they need to reface it with De'Aaron Fox because he he is he is a potential superstar. I I like his play a lot. He needs to stay healthy, but I think he's already the face of that franchise and I'm with you. You know, if you can get rid of that buddy contract, great, but who's going to take it and what are you going to get for it? I think realistically, I, I think there's buyers who would, who would take it on. I do too. I th- I, th- I think there'll be people that'll be interested in, in buddy as well, but look, I, I, I think we're almost talking in circles here. So I, I think that uh, we all agree that Darren Fox is, is the future of the franchise. I do tend to agree with Dan. I think the Kings are kind of coming to like a fork in the road. It's not necessarily that they're like, you know, we need to get rid of everybody and start over and start tanking. And I don't think they're going to go out this season and be like, hey, let's lose. Right. I don't think that's going to happen. I think they're going to go out there. They're going to try to compete and they're going to just end up losing because the West is really good and they're just not good enough. So I, I think you just take best available. I think Patrick Williams is the best available here. And I think that's who Dan's going to pick anyways. Yep. And, I, and I support it. So at the end of the day, we were just arguing. Yeah. <laughs> hey, it's fun. Um, yeah, it's official. Let's, let's write him in. He's about damn time. He's off the board. Patrick Williams. All right. So with the uh, number twelve pick in the Granny Mock Draft, the Sacramento Kings select Patrick Williams out of Florida State University. He's the second guy off the board in our mock draft out of Florida State. Devin Vassell, remember, went to the Hawks at number six. It'll be interesting to see which Florida State guy in real life goes first. 
but uh, we'll see here in about uh, about six days, right? So that'll be exciting. Who would have thought that that OB would go ahead of Pat Williams in the granny mock? I don't know. That's I, I wouldn't place that bet. I don't know. And in real life, I, I think it's going to be neck and neck. I mean, there are, there are a lot of people who are big on OB, but the, again, the Patrick Williams craze has been off the charts lately. Like I've heard rumors of top four with Patrick Williams, which is... We'll see. Yeah. We'll see. All right, guys. So that wraps up this episode. We just covered the Sun, Spurs, and Kings. We are planning to in our next episode cover the Pelicans and Celtics to wrap up the lottery. After that, we're going to look at some of our sleeper picks and maybe some really good fits for some of the teams down in the 15 to 30 range perhaps some some late first round picks for teams that are contending next year uh so tune in for that episode any final words guys no i don't know how you're able to to get the spurs and the celtics to go over since you love both those squads but uh i'm uh i'm excited yeah i i I swear i didn't plan that that just happened right right (laughs) <laughs> all right guys don't forget to follow us on twitter at granny nba tweet us any sort of uh disagreements or questions that you may have with us you can also send us an email granny shot at gmail.com we'll talk to you on the next episode where we talk about the pelicans celtics and sleepers the draft is just a couple of days away hope you're excited as we are